Greetings and welcome to another edition of Shnayim Mikra. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom. We are now looking at the second aliyah of our parsha, Parashat Chaye Sarah. And properly, since we finished a little bit more than the first aliyah, finishing all of chapter 23, Perak Chav Gimel, in the previous podcast, we will pick it up and take a look at the first few psukim, the first few verses of chapter 24, um, up until... Um, uh, up until Pasuk Tet, which is the end of the second Aliyah. Um, there's something incongruous uh, that happens here. The parak is introduced with a beautiful statement, Ve'Avraham Zaken Ba'bayamim, he's old coming in his days, which means he's nearing death. Ve'Adonai Be'rachat Avraham Bakol. Hashem blessed Hashem with Avraham with everything. Now, a blessed Avraham with everything is a little bit of a strange statement, because first of all, as we pointed out in the previous podcast, now he has one tiny little piece of land, which is, as we could see, land fit for a um, a uh, cemetery, as it were, not uh, necessarily arable land. Uh, he has uh, one son that's been exiled. He has another son that is unmarried. He um, has, uh, his dear wife has died. Um, his uh, concubine with whom he had the first son is gone. And nonetheless, this leads Chazal to give all sorts of other interpretations to what it may mean. Uh, the famous Midrash that Avraham had a daughter that we don't hear about, and her name is Bakol. Um, in, in any case, the, the simple read of the Pasuk is it's expositive, it, it's, it's expository, and it sets us up for an awareness that there's still a huge gap in the bracha that has to be filled, and Avraham is going to take initiative to fill it and not wait for Hashem to do it for him. And that is the following. Avraham was promised a lineage, a legacy, and a land. The land he had to work hard to get. The legacy is something that he's built. The lineage he's been given as a gift, but only insofar as he has one son who is now still part of the family, Yitzchak, but there's nothing further. And Yitzchak evidently is not acting on his own as Avraham did and as Yaakov later will do and as Esav will do um, to uh, to get married and seems to be following more the pattern that we see with his direct brother, with Yishmael, in which case the mother takes him a wife. He doesn't take his own wife. Uh, so in the same way, Avraham is the one who's going to act on this behalf. And in another parallel between Hagar and her behavior with Ishmael and Avraham's behavior with Yitzchak, and there are many of them, um, but they properly belong really to Parshat Vayera. Um, Hagar takes a Egyptian woman to be Yishmael's wife. In very much the same way, Avraham directs that Yitzchak's wife come from his home, which is in Haran. And here we go. Avram speaks to his servant. We are never told the servant's name. The Midrash assumes that it's Eliezer, but Eliezer's name shows up once in, in the whole Avram story. Uh, so we don't know who it is, but it's the elder servant. Put your hand under my thigh. Uh, Rashi, quoting the Midrash, picks up on one understanding of why he's asking him to do this. 
Uh, however, uh, epigraphic uh, data gives us another understanding. It was not uncommon in the ancient world when somebody would take an oath, especially when supporting an older person, to physically demonstrate their support and demonstrating that the person was relying on them by putting their hands underneath them, almost like a chair. In any case, that's what he tells them to do. And I'm going to make you take an oath. Now, notice, this is a phrase that does not show up very frequently in Tanakh. Matter of fact, the next time that it shows up, as far as I can recall, is in the context of Rachav's um, admission to the spies that she realized Hashem is the one true God or the most powerful God. So Avram here is speaking to a slave of his of his uh, estate, but not one who evidently is totally identified with Avram's ideology yet. And so he's making him take an oath by that God. That you should not take a wife for my son among the daughters of Canaan, that among whom I live. Now, there's no reason given for this. Is it because there's something wrong with the Canaanite people? Avraham himself has interacted with the Canaanite people. Is it because uh, he has been told by God not to do so? There's no evidence of that. We'll have to see why this is. Rather, here key means rather, you go back to my land, and moladti. Moledet in modern Hebrew means birthplace. But moladti in Tanakh means family. So you go back to my land, and you go back to my family. And you take a wife for my son Yitzchak. Yitzchak's not going to go. And why Yitzchak doesn't go is something we'll talk about towards the end of the parsha. So what does the slave say back? Now, the Ebed uses an interesting term. Avraham says, go find a wife. Which means, there are women there. Go find one of them to marry Yitzchak. The Ebed assumes that there's going to be a single woman who will be the proper person. If she doesn't want to follow me to this land, and the slave's question is really a very reasonable one. After all, you're sending me to there. Is it because Yitzchak can't leave the land? Or is it because it's inappropriate for this prince to go on his own mission? I'm going on the mission, but of course, if I find the right girl, then Yitzchak will come and marry her there. What's Avram's answer? Be careful not to take my son back there. I'm sending you there, but he can't go there. Meaning, the stipulation is you go there, you find a proper wife, which means she's the proper wife, and she's somebody who's willing to pick up and relocate back here. And then he promises him, The same God who took me from my father's house, and from my family, He's the one who spoke to me and he gave me an oath. And what was the oath? And by the way, Avraham has been so deep in his faith and so abiding in his faith all of these years without being able to have land, without children, accepting this promise. He will send his angel in front of you, meaning that Hashem will, in his, providentially will allow you to take a woman from there. But Avram hedges. But if the woman does not want to follow you, then you are off the hook of this oath. This oath does not does not result directed. It's not to say that the oath is that you will bring back a wife, but rather you will find a wife who is willing to come back. If she's not willing to come back, then you're off the hook. 
The one stipulation is you can't take my son back then. What is Avram thinking? If the slave finds the proper woman and she's not willing to leave, does that mean that Yitzhak marries nobody? Or do we then say we'll go somewhere else? Or do we say then we'll go back to Benot Canaan? We don't know. We don't have to find out. And what happens? So the oath, uh, the slave takes the oath exactly as Avram had requested. And what we, of course, are now set up to anticipate and to discover is how Avraham's task given to the slave will play out and how much Avraham's promise that Hashem will guide the slave and will find the proper woman for him and that indeed she'll be somebody who will be willing to come back will be realized. And that's something that we will start discovering in our next podcast in the next Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful day.